Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Avery Sports Show. We are here, back in the home base. We've been spending some time in Toronto. It's good to be back in Edmonton, Alberta. And usually on the program, my guests call in. Things are a little bit different this week. My guest is here in studio, and I want to give her a proper intro. She's a Humbert PR grad. She's a Cornell graduate. She'll be playing pro hockey with the New York Ritters in National Women's Hockey League. She is the wife of Empton Oilers netminder Ben Scrivens. She is Jenny Scrivens. How are you doing today, Jen? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Is this the most stereotypical blogger podcast you've been on? I mean, my studio is in my basement. So. <laughs> this is a little different. <laughs> but it's a little more intimate, it's a little more fun. This is good. Thank you, thank you. And, you know, I think I've followed you on Twitter for quite some time. I think you're really cool, cool personality. You do a lot of things here in the community for Edmonton. You're a big hockey person. I do, when, I know you're from Los Angeles. I think you're the first American on in studio, actually, so. Cool, I, I'm very happy with that uh, <laughs> award. <laughs> I, know, I know you grew up in California. I think it's, it's always so cool talking to people who grew up liking hockey in non-traditional hockey markets. Yeah. So I do want to ask, you know, how did you get into the game when you were younger? Was it the L.A. King? Was it the Mighty Duck movies? Was it the Sharks? Was it Wayne Gretzky? Like, I have to say, and I'm pretty sad to have to say this here in Edmonton, but I think that the Gretzky trade was a big part of me growing up playing hockey in Southern California. He inspired a whole generation to play. And I think I got started when I was about five or six years old. I was playing street hockey with my brothers in the cul-de-sac and kind of doing that typical, you know, little kid activity, although I think it was probably a little bit more typical in Edmonton than it was in L.A., but... Um, we still played with our friends and neighbors, and then it progressed, and I, I started to join an inline hockey league when I was six. Played for a few years, and then when I turned 10 years old, I made the switch to ice hockey. Nice. Yeah. And now you're a goalie. Why did you decide you want to be a goalie? Because a lot of kids start off, they're a forward, a defenseman. Not many people young want to be a goalie. How come you decided to become a goaltender? I remember when I was six, we all rotated playing goal. But when it was my turn, I didn't really want to give it up. <laughs> <So> <laughs> which I think is pretty abnormal for little kids. They want to score the goals, not True. be the one to be a goalie. But it, it worked for me. It was a good fit for me, and I loved it. So I think the following year, I was a permanent goalie, and I really enjoyed it. You played peewee, you traveled. What was it like being from California traveling to Canada for tournaments? Yeah, I loved the opportunity to travel. And, and for me, that was the best way to, to travel as a kid. I mean, we took family vacations and that sort of thing. But with uh, with playing travel club hockey um, at the women's level, I think I started playing 12 and under travel hockey. Mm -hmm. So from 12 and under all the way to 19 and under through high school, I got to travel to all over North America, really. We did the, the Pee Wee International Quebec Tournament. 
don't know if you've heard of that one. Maybe the biggest one in the world for a peewee tournament. It's huge. Yeah, we were we were part of the very first women's team to play in that tournament. Very cool. Yeah, we were coached by Mano Rayom. So that was one of the oh, highlights of my young career. We're talking legend. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I know she was my idol. It was it was a really great experience. But that took me to Quebec for the first time in my life. I think that was actually the first time I was ever in Canada. So that was really memorable. I know we played a tournament in Toronto. And I think that was about it for my travel to Canada. But with um, national tournaments, we went all over all over the U.S. That is very cool. I know your career took you to, I know you played University of Hockey at Cornell. Mm-hmm. I know women's hockey is growing now, especially at the university level, there's more attention to it. Back then, what was the exposure like? Did people come out and watch Cornell games back then? Was it somewhat subdued? Like We did. We had a lot of local attention, a lot of local fans. Um, we really took pride in, in trying to grow the game in Ithaca and, and get a lot of um, young girls interested in hockey and, and you know, upstate New York. Um, but it's definitely grown a lot, I think, since I've left university. And, and that's for the better. That's the whole point. True. Yeah. So, you know, I think it'll only get better from there. And the team as well has gotten a lot better. The, um, Cornell Big Red have made a few uh, Final Four appearances, and I think that has really helped, too. That's really cool. I know you mentioned that was where you met your husband, Ben. Mm-hmm. This may be a stupid question, but how did you guys even meet exactly? Like, what was the <laughs> moment you guys met? <laughs> I, I honestly, we, we met in a dining hall move-in day, so it was kind of like your typical freshman experience, but it, it really blossomed from there. We had a lot in common, both being goalies. That's, that's, just, that's too funny that the fact, you know, you're both goalies and you're both going to play pro. I do want to stick on goalies for a sec. There's always mm-hmm. a stigma. One of my best friends, he's playing NCAA right now at Holy Cross. Mm-hmm. And goalies are always, there's stigma. Goalies are the oddballs. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Do you think goalies are odd in a sense? <laughs> I think you guys are the oddballs. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we the oddballs? Maybe we're the normal ones and you guys are the weird ones. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I think it takes a certain mental toughness to be able to play goal, and I think that kind of sets us apart. We have to be a little bit stubborn and a little bit more confident. We have to be our own source of confidence back there, I think, and that, that makes us a little bit odd. That is funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know now, playing in New York, National for New York Riveters, like, what does it mean now for the women's game for the fact that the National Women's Hockey League will be paying their players? Because I do consider the Canadian League to be professional because there are pro mm-hmm. players in it but not getting paid. What is it for the women's game in a sense that you'll be making a salary and no one's playing for free in the new National Women's Hockey League starting this October? I think that, I think that the ability to be compensated for playing hockey is... The next big step for us. I think it's huge and I think it's it's necessary to grow the game. I think that, you know, hopefully we can somehow work towards the notoriety of the NHL. We're not there yet and I know it'll take a lot of time, but but being paid on a salary is is the most important thing to us being respected as as the rest of you know, professional hockey players. I know when I first heard the announcement, I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I saw, you know, big names coming over. There's European players. There's Asian players. I know we mm-hmm. have um, a Japanese net minder on New York. You have Hillary Knight, who said she's going to play in this league. Haven't said which team yet, but she's mm-hmm. probably the biggest name in women's hockey right now. I guess, what does it mean to have this attention and have people say, yeah, I want to support this league. I want to be on board and see where this league grows. Exactly. Yeah, the the league has definitely gone abroad and gone international in in recruiting the best players in the world. And I think it's a testament to the league and a testament to to the goals of the league that we have so many different players wanting to come in and and be a part of it. And um, 
you know, I'm really looking forward to, to the following years when we can recruit even more, but, but really it's important for us to be able to, to get the word out there and grow the game and, and show that, you know, girls growing up today who are deciding to play hockey or deciding to play any sport, really, that there's a future for them. You know, when I was growing up, it was it was college hockey was was the big thing, or playing in the Olympics was the end goal. Which, right. I mean, it's a wonderful end goal, but there's only a few people that can actually fulfill that goal. But um, to be able to have a little bit more of a realistic goal of, of playing college hockey or playing professional hockey, I think is really important to strive for. It is. You know, people always say don't use an athlete as a role model. I think you're a role model for little girls because you're a part of a you're a pioneer. You're in a league which is getting paid a player, and girls will look up to you and say, wow, if Jen Spruance can do it, I can do it too. So I don't think it's fair to say athlete can't be a role model because you're right, you're one in my mind. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think that's that's the goal for a lot of us. I haven't met all my teammates yet, <laughs> but I've been you know following them on Twitter just as every other fan has. And um, I, I can tell that that's their goal as well. They really want to reach as many people as possible and, and show them that this is something that they can strive for one day and, and show them that it's accessible. It's true. And when this league was first announced, who reached out to you? Did you contact New York first or did they reach out to you and say, hey, do you want to play for us? Like, how did the first contact come? I started to get in touch with a few of my friends and a few girls from Cornell who were looking into playing. And from there, it just kind of grew. I was in touch with um, Danny Ryland, the commissioner of the league, and feeling out a few different opportunities because I'll also be doing their, I've already started doing their PR and communications for the league too. Very cool. So I'll be wearing two hats. It was kind of this perfect fit between my um my college education all of my all of my uh, marketing and communications experience and my hockey background so it's kind of it's still a, a dream come true i can't believe that i'll be able to do all the pr and marketing that i really like and be able to play hockey for the same league so that's cool yeah. i'm thinking about that like there's not many in terms of sports history there's not many players who have been had a front office role like that's rare yeah i to think it's with a front office gig as well unusual to be both at the same time <laughs> I'm trying to be, you know, as professional as possible and, and keep my two roles very clear, but um, it's it's been a lot of fun so far. Of course. Uh, I can imagine it has been. Of course, for yourself, you know, being married to an NHL player, I'm sure, what has it been like, you know, going with Ben and traveling? Because I think, there's this, I think unfortunately, there's a stigma mm-hmm. in terms of what a hockey wife is. I know you were on the actual reality series. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some misconceptions people may have about someone who's married to an NHL player? I think the misconceptions come from, from just not knowing enough or not knowing, you know, all of the details about us as, you know, quote, hockey wives or hockey partners or spouses, as I, I like to say. but um, And that's sometimes for a good reason. I think our partners are in the spotlight a lot. So sometimes it's our natural reaction to kind of, you know, protect ourselves from that and, and not let the public in. And, you know, when people are curious about that and, and they're not shown the the reality of our lives, then, right. then we're all quick to make those sort of assumptions. So, Fair enough. So I think that there's not a lot of information out there, and, and if people really did get to know us, I think they'd figure out that we're pretty normal. You know, we live normal lives, and yeah, it's pretty difficult for us to have to pick up and move mm-hmm. or support someone in the public eye, but, you know, it comes with the territory, and we understand that. Right, and I see you on Twitter. You've embraced every city you've been in. You've embraced being around mm-hmm. the Kings. I know you coached um, Girls Hockey in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You've embraced Toronto, and you've embraced Edmonton. I know a lot of people... They always want to bash Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton sucks. It's this, it's that. But you've embraced it entirely. You're involved in the community from day one. You were at Ronald McDonald House in their PR mm-hmm. department. And you've been a big part of the city since um, Bangor Delta here. 
For me, the the best thing about moving so often, and it's only been three times so far, knock on wood, but um, <laughs> I love getting involved in the community. And for me, volunteering is the best way for me to hit the ground with my feet running. It's just, it's so fun to get involved and, and to be able to see that I can make a difference in a community, even if I'm very new there. And Edmonton especially was, was easy. It was a no-brainer. Um, my husband's from here. He grew up here. All of his friends and family are here, so... When we found out we were moving, I was really excited to, to get back here and, and to start my career here. And i got to ask you, I know Ben, he played he played in markets where you know the teams were winning. Mm-hmm. L.A., Toronto, when he was there, they had the 2013 playoff run. Mm-hmm. Edmonton's been a market, you know, we've, Edmonton, I'll say flat, Edmonton's been bad for a long time, as you've probably seen. <laughs> so what I guess, what has it been like in a city where, you know, you could, where Ben will probably be a part of a team, you'll be watching his team be good because Conor McDavid's here and people see him as a savior for this franchise. So what do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that I can say to that <laughs> is that we all really appreciate that the fans care so much. Yeah. Because the worst thing I think that can happen is if the fans stop caring, if the fans don't care, they don't care to comment, they don't care to to come to the games anymore. That would be, you know, that would be a big red flag. But, you know, we love the support and we love that people are still coming to games and... and um, supporting us as, as individuals and as a team, and, and uh, we're looking forward to this year. That's true, yeah, but I think it's really cool. Uh, like, where do you think women's game can go in, Jen, in say, I don't know, five to ten years? Could we one day have national games on TV full-time? Because I know the CWHL last year, their all-star game was on Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. Do you think we could have one day see maybe women's games, not beyond so beyond Olympics, on TSN, CBC, ESPN, full-time in a few years? Yeah, I think that's absolutely our goal. I, I'm not as familiar with the CWHL's broadcasting and mm-hmm. streaming rights, but I know with the NWHL, we will be live streaming all of our games. Okay. Um, we only play on Sundays, so it won't interfere as much with... Um, with NHL games, and I'm trying to think of what else it could possibly interfere with, but I think that the timing is really good. It's also a good time for, for families to get out there and see the games. Um, it's a great time for, you know, for younger fans to get involved, too. It's not, you know, I don't think there'll be late-night Sunday games. I think there'll be more family afternoon right. games, so it's really good for us. But definitely getting on national TV and getting those broadcasting rights is the next way to go. Um, hopefully expanding outside of our founding four original teams. That would definitely be a goal. But um, also tapping into all of the fans that we we might have around the world. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, we have players from Japan. We have players from Austria, Russia, I'm sure a few other countries, but those are the three I know of right now. Um, As we continue to grow and recruit players from all over the world, I think tapping into that fan base will be crucial. Oh, it will be. I know you mentioned how your the games are going to be on Sunday, most likely. Mm-hmm. That's big, I guess, just in terms of getting a viewer for life or getting future players when you're playing on a Sunday when kids can go. Exactly. We're hoping to be that, that accessible, and I think that we can because we're so new and fresh and we're flexible and adaptable and... And, you know, we want to listen to our fans and see what they think, see what they like about it, see what we can do to to improve the overall experience. Mm-hmm. I know I mentioned you were, after your time at Cornell, you did retire, you were coaching. Mm-hmm. How tough has it been getting back into, I guess, game shape after not playing at that level for so long for camp this year? It's a little <laughs> bit tougher than I thought at first. My first couple times on the ice were were a little bit rough. I was like, well, I've been watching hockey ever since I left. I've probably been watching hockey 
because of Ben and because I've been coaching, I've been paying right. attention to it a lot more than I was as a player. So I knew exactly how I wanted to make the save and what I wanted to do. But telling my body that was different from actually doing it. So <laughs> it took a few times on the ice to get back into the, the swing of things. But I've actually noticed a lot of improvements in my game just because when I was playing five or six years ago, you know, we goalies weren't being taught what they're being taught today. And um, those advancements in the game have really helped. And, and um, you know, I did take some time off, but being able to implement all of those changes has been, um, it's been a challenge, but it's really helped my game. And I've noticed it very quickly. I mean, you mentioned the fact that there's two goalies at home. How has Ben able to help your game? Like, how, what has he given you for advice, you know, and improve your style, improve just how to handle being in net? Yeah, he's great as sort of a, a personal coach for me right now. <laughs> um, the past few times I've gotten on the ice here in Edmonton, I've done some video. Okay. So we've been able to film, um, you know, how I'm making the saves and actually film the entire hour. So I, I can take that home, look at it on my computer or on my phone, and, and see how I can improve. And Ben's really great because he'll watch them with me and say, okay, here's what you did right. This is this is perfect. Here's where you can improve. You know, think about this next time, that sort of thing. And, and that's really helpful for me. I'm not sure um, I'm not sure anyone else has this sort of unprecedented access to a, a goal in mind like me, <laughs> but I'm pretty fortunate. I'm trying to pick his brain as much as possible before I have to go. Is it always goalie talk 24-7 at home or do there some breaks? I can imagine. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this past the past couple weeks has been a lot more goalie talk just because mm -hmm. I've been picking his brain about um, all of the new stuff that I've been learning. Yeah. But overall, we're, he's really good at, at leaving work at the rink, you know, leaving mm -hmm. hockey at the rink, not bringing it home, um, whether it's a good game or a bad game or, or whatever has happened. Right. He leaves it there and he doesn't bring it home. Um, occasionally we'll talk hockey, but really it's not as much as I think people would expect because of the fact that we're both hockey players. Um, we try and put it, you know, we try and put it out of our home, I think. That's cool. That is, yeah, that's very cool, Jen. I guess, Jen, before I wrap up, you know, first game in October, how many nerves do you think you'll have that game one going in by, and realizing that, you know, it's real, it's actually going to happen, you playing professional hockey in America? I haven't even gotten there yet. <laughs> I th I'm still, you know, kind of nervous for our very first team practice, but I think it'll be a little bit of nerves and a lot of excitement and a lot of, you know, you know, wrapping my head around the bigger picture of what we're doing mm -hmm. with the NWHL and, and how we're helping to grow the game and, and to reach younger fans and inspiring younger fans and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's less about me as the individual and more about the, the overall big movement and the big picture. That is true. That is so true. And Jen, it's been a blast having you on. You'll probably try and come down for a few games. It'll be fun to see you in action this fall. That's great. We'd love to have you. And, and thanks for having me on the show.